if we overshoot this by even the smallest integer, we're dealing with concentrations with extraordinary levels of toxicity. So You mean it could kill him? Kill him, yeah. I should say so. You should know that there's a flip side to this, too. If we miss on the low side, if we induce me and it fails, this will be very dangerous for you. <laughs> Look, I've always been more curious than cautious, and that served me pretty well. So, are we going to do this? The world outside your window is not great, but here on Post Show Recaps, everything is super, incredible even here on Everything is Super, the podcast dedicated to all things super heroic, presently focused on the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and you might not even believe it based on the movie we're talking about today, but I swear it's true. This is movie number two for the MCU. Hello, everybody. I am Josh Wiggler. I am joined here by Kevin Mahadeo, who is uh, is a man that... I actually really do like him when he's angry. Uh, in fact, I, I almost prefer it, Kevin. Some might say that is my better side. Some, For me, people almost prefer the Hulk at times. Yeah. Uh, some behind-the-scenes detail is that uh, Kevin and I, uh, we record this on like a video chat, um, and we give ourselves like uh, little nicknames before we sign on. This is three weeks in a row, Kevin, that you're the Mahad man. Uh, so I, would I like you when you're Mahad? Uh, you will love me when I'm ahead. It's actually yeah. um, something that I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm branding myself now. Um, it's something I, I'm working on in terms of like creating uh, websites and stuff like that. I'm finally oh, you're diving the ahead, man. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm going to try and delve into that. Uh, I, as I say that, someone's going to buy the, the domain address now, and I'm like, damn it! <laughs> you've got you've got a few hours uh, left, uh, Kevin, before uh, you are finished recording this podcast, and the podcast goes up. So if someone is able to behind buy, buy, <laughs> buy the Mahadman, uh, dot com, then you are uh, you are in trouble. Uh, someone is actually probably going to do that. So make a note of it to uh, to, to buy the dot com uh, before the end of the night. Uh, Kevin, incredible Hulk. I mean, I really do just want to talk about the dot com rather than have to really dive deep into the incredible Hulk. But that's what we're here to do. We can't let the people down. This is uh, this is week two of the MCU rewatch week three of everything is super. Uh, and yeah. The Incredible Hulk, remember that? That was time. I, I do remember that. And, you know, at the top of this, you just mentioned, like, uh, the world outside might be incredible. Like, if only the world right now were as incredibly mediocre <laughs> as this movie <laughs> was, I would prefer that. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That'd be great. That'd be great. If the movie was, like, at an Incredible Hulk level, uh, I think I'd be, I'd, I'd be pretty happy. If the world was, I, yeah. I should say. If the it's, world it's, was at an Incredible Hulk level, that would be great. It's so crazy, because, like, I was actually really anticipating rewatching this because i remember when i watched it when it Me first too. came out i had decent memories of it and i still kind of do there's parts of this movie that are very biased to me and um i've kind of talked about this or hinted at it a little bit before that the the hulk actually has like you know beyond me identifying two levels with that character um uh, a really you know could deep connection for me because uh you know in our first podcast i mentioned that my grandmother was the one who got me into the Superman movies. She got, she got me into it by showing me Superman when I was a kid, around like four years old. Um, and that's how I fell in love with that character, and especially, you know, um, Chris Reeves' um, interpretation. But along with that, the other thing my grandmother and I did a lot was uh, watch the Incredible Hulk TV show. We used to oh, watch wow, it. I didn't know that. Yeah, we used to watch it all the time together. Like, it must have been reruns at this point, for sure. But, like, I remember watching it with her, and she really Yeah, you know, I don't think you it. were watching uh, first run 
Incredible Hulk episodes. I don't think so. I don't think I would have been born yet, but like she really <laughs> liked the show and I, you know, it, it would show during the day. And I remember watching it with her and I think, you know, she liked Bill Bixby, the actor. I mean, yeah. who did it? And he was great. Um, and so I grew up watching that and I, uh, I have a lot of stories. I have a great story that I can share at the end of this about Lou Ferrigno. Um, that was very fun from our days at Wizard. Um, King but yeah. of the con circuit, Lou Ferrigno. Yeah. Yes. Always, always at the conventions. Yes. And this was at the convention that this happened. I'm but, sure. Um, but yeah, so like all those memories, like I remember going in and watching it and the parts that this movie, you know, clearly is a love letter to that old show. Um, I appreciate and I, I kind of like that, that those aspects of it that made me be like, that's a reference. That's a reference. That's a reference, you know. Um, and I wrote them all down that we could talk about. But uh, that part I still liked. Everything else, um, save one thing, which I think we can both agree that the best thing in this movie uh, is Tim Blake Nelson. <laughs> I, I, you know what? People are gonna are, are <gasps> definitely gonna be coming for my guy Tim. Oh Roth. no! But uh, <laughs> but I, but I got I gotta say I'm here for for the Tims mm. Blake Nelson and Roth. Uh, I'm not necessarily here for Emil Blonsky as a character <laughs> or Abomination. I'm not gonna get out here and say like you know what. In my in my villain rankings, abomination, underrated character. He's getting a five. Like no future where that's occurring. More like you, a Mil Bomsky, am I right? Like this uh, movie didn't. Well, you know, it did do great. It, it wasn't a bomb, certainly, but it didn't do great. It didn't do Iron Man numbers, and I think a lot of reasons uh, behind that. Um, I I think uh, you know this. Hulk comes to the fore with baggage, right? Uh, it comes to the, to the, to the movie theaters with, uh, a duffel bag filled with stretchy purple pants. Like people, <laughs> people had seen, uh, the stretchy purple pants badass. People had seen, uh, either the, the Hulk TV show or they had seen the Ang Lee movie that had come out just a few years earlier. Uh, the Hulk, unlike Iron Man, was iconic already. Like I think for, for better and for, for, for ill, but I think like, just within pop culture, the Hulk had been an indelible character already. Um, and so I think maybe some Hulk fatigue. I think we can get into the conversation of whether or not the Hulk works as a standalone character as well as he does as a supporting character. Um, and then there's a lot of other factors as well. I think like, um, much in the same way that there was sort of this like free jazz quality to Iron Man that worked, that there was this sort of like improv style and like learning it as you go that really ends up like exploding in this glorious way for Iron Man. I wouldn't say that it like it blows out in a, in a horrifically like, you know, apocalyptic way or an abominable way, uh, for, uh, for the Incredible Hulk. Um, but it, it does just sort of like the bomb doesn't go off, you know, like it's clumsily made the thing, like you set the device. You think you're going to be able to like blow open like the blank, the bank vault. Uh, and instead it just like, uh, like the flag pops up that says bang. Uh, and that's basically the impact that the Incredible Hulk has. And obviously looking back on it, it's a very strange relic. Um, because we, uh, we go forward with, with, uh, the magical Mr. Mark Ruffalo, uh, as Bruce Banner moving forward instead of Edward Norton. Uh, and I remember at the time when Mark Ruffalo was cast instead of Edward Norton for the Avengers. There was, you know, a decent amount of uproar about that. It's like a little bit of a continuity breaker at that point. Even though Edward Norton had been the second guy to play Bruce Banner in the span of what, like six years, something like that. So what, what's the really big deal? Uh, but I, I think when you look back on this movie now, um, even though it's loaded with MCU stuff, like in like a really awkward way, 
in a way that feels like it's very hastily uh, put together because Iron Man landed and it was a huge hit. And everyone is now like, okay, go, go, go. We're doing the Avengers. It's happening. It's happening. It's happening. We're doing this. Put Nick Fury in the opening thing. Put Shield in the opening thing. Make get Robert sure Downey get, Jr. Get Robert Downey Jr. on the phone right now. Get him down to set. Get Captain America references all over the place. Put a blue tube of goo. Uh, talk about super soldiers. We're doing this thing. It's happening. Uh, so there's there's just like a hastiness to this movie and a lack of cohesion. And when we talk about like that behind the scenes lack of cohesion on Iron Man, um, for whatever reason that gelled together into something that was really great. I think largely held by this like incredible lead performance from, from RDJ, uh, but also like really, um, uh, really competently steered forward by, by John Favreau, who gets the tone. And I think that that's the problem with the Incredible Hulk as a movie or one of the problems is it feels like it's that same thing where like nobody really knows exactly what they're doing. Zach Penn is the credited writer. Uh, he is the writer behind X2 X-Men United. He has a credit on the Avengers. Um, but I believe that the story that's pretty uh, widely known among people who are like really big nerds for this stuff, and he's talked about it as well himself, is that Edward Norton, like he was the ghost writer, not ghost writer, uh, back to the the spectral uh, this is the second time Ghost Rider has been referenced on a podcast in the last week for me. Every um, every time now. We have to reference Ghost Rider on every one of these Marvel podcasts. Oh, well, I talked about it with Rob Sesternino <laughs> on The Wiggle Room this week, too. Uh, so he's just Ghost Riders popping up everywhere. But Ed, Ed, Edward Norton did a, an uncredited pass on the script. Uh, and uh, the great Torbjorn uh, Frazier, who has been sending us a lot of behind-the-scenes tidbits about these movies as we're going forward, uh, makes note of that, of this idea of Edward Norton has been writing on the fly um so like there's that conflict of vision from the lead actor right which is that's that that can be that can be good sometimes and sometimes that can be bad uh i think when when you're really trying to to get your hands on the story and you are also starring in the thing are you biting off more than you can chew um and i think that there's also stuff that's baked in with like the character of the hulk himself where even if he's in a suit, Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man all the way through. Um, for the Hulk, Edward Norton isn't like in a suit. So there isn't like anything like recognizably Ed Norton about the Hulk, really. In fact, like they base him on a comic book design, uh, the Hulk. So like there isn't even a lot of like continuity in the translation from Edward Norton turning into the Hulk. And I believe his voice is supplied by Lou Ferrigno that as well. That is accurate. Which is, which is a nice nod, but like it, there's just this disconnect that you're not feeling with the main actor. There are these weird things happening behind the scenes on this one. Um, so it's not a surprise to me that Edward Norton doesn't like end up moving forward with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I think when you look back on this movie through the lens of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's just such an oddity. Uh, but I remembered enjoying it at the time. So I was, I was curious to come back and check this out because like I've kind of like, stubbornly defiantly refused to say the incredible hulk is the worst movie in the marvel cinematic universe because that just feels like too easy of a take in my current rankings uh done before uh everything is super began as a podcast i have it as the third worst movie in the mcu kevin my gut instinct right now is i think that this just has to be considered the worst movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I mean that like related within the MCU. Not necessarily as like the worst movie that exists with the Marvel Cinematic Universe attachment, but as a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie, 
this has to be last place. I mean, by that definition, it's either that or Thor the Dark World and uh, Thor the Dark World. But Thor the Dark World matters. I know. It only matters. It only (laughs) matters because of like, you know, the ether, ether stuff, which. Natalie Portman's back. That's true. That's true. I mean, it, it, well, you know, I want to disagree with you, but no, I think you're right. In In the context of like as an MCU film and how it connects. Yeah, it's the worst. As all of them lined up, I don't know that it's still my worst. I think my ranking, I think it's going to go down in my ranking, but I think that there's still in my head one worse, which we're coming to and we just referenced. But well, it'll be it'll be nice to see how the science uh, decides this for us. Right, <laughs> it will, Kevin? It's, it's why um, we have our system. <laughs> yes, this flawless system that we have going. Yeah. Uh, I So much science in The Incredible Hulk. I mean, well, that's the other thing, too. There's... There's not, there's a bit of science. There's a lot of science mumbo jumbo. And that's the the MCU as a whole has a lot of that. But there's a weird Bruce, man, where to start? Bruce Banner, I think you said it though, is like, this is such a different interpretation. I think like that's ultimately what it boils down to as well. Like Ed Norton's involvement in it and heavy scripting, sure. But everything we knew of the Hulk up until this point was drawn sort of from the TV show and from a lot of comics that portrayed him as this tragic, angsty character. Um, no, it's Ang Lee is the one who oh, made Oh, yes, this, this tragic movie. Ang Lee character. No, uh, yeah. But like that—that that is the interpretation that we saw, which is so different from the Hulk we know now. Um, and this is a new interpretation. Like We kind of see Bruce Banner as a character through Mark Ruffalo more than we see it in these other interpretations because I think that character has to be pulled back because that character has to do with so much quote-unquote acting through just looking somber like a lot of edward cullenness a lot of like angel from <laughs> buffy i actually oh my God. there was a point in this movie where he's he, him and and uh bet, 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 him and betty, betty, betty are trying to go at it and he stops and i'm like oh he can't have sex he's like angel from buffy <laughs> and I wrote that down. is angel not able to have sex i'm not oh, a big buffy like, guy so i don't even oh, know yeah like that's a whole thing um but he, he's unable to i mean they've they've messed around with what it means but originally it's that he couldn't sleep with right, Buster. Don't spoil yeah. it too much. I wanna. I, I may want to watch this someday. And now that I know that everyone's gonna yell six, at you right now to watch Buffy. You know that, I'm, right? I'm. Uh, I'm now extra intrigued. That's very intriguing. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's such a. It's such just a different interpretation. I think we see Mark Ruffalo do such a great job of of really showing Bruce Banner as a person and what his personality was like. That isn't the same as this Bruce Banner that we see uh, here. The Hulk is almost always a Hulk, right? He's just I'm angry. I'm gonna punch things, um, and that's sort of what we get. In, in this movie, yeah, but like, there's ways to be like funny and and uh, I don't know, incisive with that character that we see in future MCU appearances. Like the Hulk, pound for pound, is one of the great MCU characters. If you t- if you took this out, absolutely, he's got, like, he's got like no real personality in this other than like he's a, he's a feared of the lightning. Yes. He, seems, he seems to really like he's Betty, like a dog just, what is that why yeah. is that happening it yeah. makes me upset um yeah. but yes i agree with you on that note and actually at the end of this movie i i did write down i did think that this movie feels more like a modern dc movie than it does a marvel movie in that it is about angsty characters it it, it isn't have the humor that we've come to know for marvel uh movies and also the ending fight scene was two CGI things punching each other in kind of a grayish, fiery background. So I was like, oh my God, is this what DC is like? 
They're doing it right. Incredible Hulk. <laughs> Mimic that from now on. Isn't there even a line during that big final fight where where uh, General Ross is on the helicopter and he's like, shoot it. And they're like, which one? He goes, not the green one. I'm like, aren't they both kind of the green one? I guess I can't really tell because of the lighting. <laughs> One's a bright green. The other's like a green gray. So it's That's like, you know, for- a forest green. Yeah, forest yeah. green. More but like yeah. a marsh green. Very uh, abom- uh, abomination. Very swamp thing in uh, in design. <laughs> it's kind of just like i think of like sort of like the same head shape more mostly like head to neck to shoulders uh feels uh, i honestly he came out and i was in mouth nose and mouth swan thing very distinct i can see the nose and mouth but that the entire nose mouth and body shape and everything i even said like oh hey it's uh it's the doomsday from batman v superman Uh, they look the same and like there is and I think that's a huge separation. Save Betty. <laughs> who's Betty? That's abomination. Sorry, Betty. Uh, yeah, I, I just, uh, I, I think that'd have been great with like a clash between uh, OG Hulk and Red Hulk. Uh, they both have a Betty in common. Yeah, it's, same, it's literally I, the it's same Betty. Same Betty, oh, but that's a story for another. I don't want to talk about Red Hulk, yeah. sir. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, let's let's talk more about this movie. Obviously, we've got a lot of feedback to get through. Uh, people are writing in super at postshowrecaps.com. Great way to send your feedback in. Uh, you can also hit us up on the Twitters. I'm at Round Howard. Kevin is at Kev Mahadeo. Uh, we've already talked a lot about the details behind this. Louis Leterrier is the director of The Incredible Hulk, uh, who I really like. He was responsible, like largely responsible for a lot of the greatness of the Dark Crystal show that was on Netflix. Uh, which is a, a very very compelling take on um, on on the the Jim Henson movie from the eighties. Uh, I, I didn't get to finish the whole thing, but what I saw, I was mostly just like mesmerized uh, on like a, a very literal practical level, uh, and and thought that the story was great. And I, I definitely look forward to getting back into that someday. Uh, so very competent director. He made the, the first two Transporter movies. Those are great. Give me a good Jason Statham action movie any day of the week, and I'm happy. Uh, Zach Penn, as we noted, is the credited writer with Edward Norton, shadow writer, ghost writer, uh, secret ghost writer behind. Uh, I can tell you Nicolas Cage was not in the mix for The Incredible Hulk, at least no rumors of such. It's too bad. Uh, I feel like every movie should consider him at least for a second. Every, every movie. Cage as the Hulk would have actually been amazing. Uh, you know, like just like the <laughs> Like if he probably would insist on doing Hulk in full makeup, it would oh, be good. For sure. He would be full costume Hulk, like Lou Ferrigno in the TV show style. <laughs> yeah. Uh I think it's easy to forget that the Incredible Hulk came out five weeks after Iron Man. Uh June thirteenth, two thousand eight. My barely, God. barely more than a month after Iron Man first landed. Uh and so Iron Man's doing so well. And I think truly the story is like, all right, well. People have responded to this. We're going to push forward. We're going to keep rolling the dice. We're going to do, you know, Iron Man 2 will fast track. Then we're going to we're going to pull the trigger on Thor and Captain America. Uh, and then we're going to do the 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 Avengers. Uh, and like with that energy behind it and with Hulk coming out in just a couple of weeks, I think that they wanted to um, they wanted to get some like even deeper connectivity between the the Hulk film and the rest of the MCU. So they get that RDJ cameo at the end uh, specifically to, to hype that up. I think when you think about it in terms of the continuity, it doesn't really make a lot of sense, right? Like Iron Man shows up to General Ross and is like, what if I told you I could fix your problem? We're putting a team together. But the next time we see Tony in Iron Man 2, he's gonna be like, yeah, I don't want to be part of the team. Yeah. And even like Nick Fury is going to say to him, like, yeah, you, we don't want you to be on the team anymore. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so where in the timeline is this where he's showing up to General Ross? It's like you said, it's really like know. five weeks after Iron Man came out. They didn't have the full plan locked in. So yeah. they just had him in that moment. I mean, best comes to best if you want a continuity. We know that Tony and General Ross don't get along. So for all we know, Tony showed up and was like, I can help you do a problem. And General Ross was just like, take your suit of armor and go shove it up your ass. You uh, know, like just being a dick. And then yeah. that's where it shook out, maybe um funny funny fact though uh uh one of robin's mvps was robert downey jr just showing up for <laughs> yeah. two seconds <laughs> well yeah i think he probably gave it a little bit of a box office bump i would i would guess uh but yeah you get a, a tiny tiny amount of rdj in your hulk movie which is great right because uh tony and and bruce science bros for life yes it's i think not that- the, it's not the ruffalo bruce but it's nice to to see there's roots in it here it is and that's like one of those things that i think makes the hulk work in in the future movies and i you know like you you mentioned this before like does a hulk work as his own character and it's hard to say yes right now i mean even the tv show he maybe he works better in a TV series, but that was so episodic and, and and a different beast at the time. But honestly, maybe he just doesn't work as his own individual character and his own carrying his own movie and franchise and everything else. Like it, it, how he plays off of everyone from Thor Ragnarok to the Avenger films is really what makes that character shine. And part of that is, of course, Bruce being able to interact with these other people and a Bruce that's a little more funny or at least interesting um but you don't get that when the entire series is just him wandering around being sad you know um again not to knock that old tv show because it holds a special place in my heart but uh yeah by the way you were not watching it live it was for uh it came out uh from 1977 to 1982 well i got news or how old i actually am (laughs) no um yeah so yeah it would have been in repeats so yeah um yeah tv back then was weird it clearly had to have been syndicated and that's how i was watching it yeah i I even remember episode of it i'd be curious too it's interesting. I mean, watch actually if you don't watch anything, watch the watch the movies where he teams up with Thor in one of them and Daredevil in another. It's great. Uh, that sounds fun. That sounds like a great time. <laughs> like I feel like I could just kind of visualize what that must look like. Amazing. <laughs> looks looks spectacular. Looks it looks incredible, Kevin. Uncanny even. <laughs> uh, great cast in this, like on paper. Uh, <laughs> on, <laughs> on paper. Great cast in The Incredible Hulk. We've got Edward Norton. Everybody loves Edward Norton. Got Liv Tyler. Who can forget the animal crackers? Uh, you got you got William Hurt here, who's the only one who's going to continue on. And I remember when William Hurt uh, returned for Captain America Civil War. I was like, whoa, really? Oh, so we're not going to just completely forget uh, The Incredible Hulk. Well, you say that, but actually, uh, Robin came out with an interesting theory because I didn't remember. And then you have that scene where Martin Starr holds up a pizza. And she was like, is that Martin Starr? I was like, oh, my God, it is. And she was just like, wouldn't it be super weird if... If this is his character from Spider-Man, then like this is him in college and now he's a teacher, it would be the most and she's right. It would be the most odd, unlikely of callbacks that of all the things they set up. If Martin Starr's character in that second is what they brought back would be hilarious. Well, I do believe so. Obviously, Martin Starr has a pretty big role in the two Spider-Man movies as one of Peter's teachers. And he's like got a very bit part as like a computer intern or like a student. He's at, just at yeah, the a lab. student at the lab. 
And I, and I do believe that uh, the powers that be at Marvel have said, like, retroactively, it's like, yeah, that's just the same guy. Are you serious? Yeah, like, I mean, like, they're just like, yeah, let's just say that that's the same guy. <laughs> like, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter at all, but I'm pretty sure they're like, yeah, it's him. That's, you saw him as a college kid, and now he's uh, Spider-Man's teacher. That's the best thing in this movie. Like, legit, <laughs> like, that they did that, I think, is the uh, best thing about yeah. this film now. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, also uh, the Tims, Roth and Blake Nelson, uh, the Tims, Roth and Blake Nelson, uh, who I think will, we'll, you know, we're going to celebrate Tim Blake Nelson here because uh, why would you not? Tim Blake Nelson, so hot right now. Looking Glass on Watchmen, one of the great characters on on that show. Uh, what was what was the crazy uh, Coen Brothers Western Buster Scruggs? Buster Scruggs. He was also in Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Like Tim Blake Nelson is my pick for MVP of this movie. Not even the character, great, just great, just Tim great, Blake Nelson, great um, filmmaker. Uh, I've interviewed him before. Really fun person to like chew on story with. Like the way that he thinks about character, uh, and so like he delivers a very strange turn as uh, Mister Blue. Uh, what's his Sam Sam, Sam Stearns. Sam Stearns. You know, your friend's a relative of some sort, must yeah, be, right? I've got a friend named Stearns. <laughs> uh, I've got a couple Stearns in my life. Uh, yeah, and he is the leader? Yes, so he is a, the who Hulk is the, villain. Who is the leader? Because maybe there are people who, who don't know that, like, what the movie was doing with the Tim Blake Nelson character, Mr. Blue, was they were setting up, like, the big bad for the Hulk. Like, the guy. Like, yeah. the Doctor Doom of the Hulk. Basically, right? Like, the leader is this uh, gamma-radiated, because of course, um, villain who is super intelligent. So, unlike the Hulk, who uh, gained brawn and uh, this aggressiveness to him, the leader is super intelligent. He has a giant uh, head where you can see his, like, (laughs) veins and stuff. It's very disturbing. Mm -hmm. You kind of saw that happening uh, to Sam Stearns and Tim Blake Nelson in this. Um, So, it's one of those things of, like, the brawn versus brain matchup that they do, and he is, like, the Hulk villain, the quintessential Hulk villain that people usually think of. Um, It is weird that they were setting that up. I remember, um, and this is a a fun Kevin in 2008 story, um, and his, uh, some hopefulness in him, where... His strut and his leather jacket and the (laughs) earring. So many people that I know have told me about that story now. And Um, have they confirmed that you have a strut? Well, the ones who knew me then for sure. <laughs> yeah, you still do. You yeah. still walk. You got a way. You got a. You got a way about you when you walk. Um, and I like it. I don't know what it is, but I like it. It's just uh, this 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 confidence in me. Anyway, just, the 2008 you know. story. Yes. So um, when that happened, and like he's there, and he's talking to a Mister Blue who knew science. Young Kevin was just like, "Hey, yo, what if like Mister Blue is Beast? <laughs> like, the, oh, that'd be crazy, right? Yeah. Like, young Kevin was so." idealistic to be like they're gonna bring in the x-men and he could be beast and like that's why he's called mr blue and he because he's science well, look i mean we may we may get such a thing in the future now that uh that uh marvel is owned by disney and disney owns fox and now the the mcu characters and the x-men characters can all exist in the same room i mean uh, i've been i'm waiting i mean the x-men you know, are, are my get, thing so you know Iron Man's dead. Remember, this is a spoiler podcast and we can talk about that. Uh, so Hulk's going to need a new science bro. Uh, who better than Hank McCoy? Do you think that they, I mean, that's an interesting question because like part of me thinks like the Hulk is done as well, right? Like his story and character no, are kind of. I, th- I believe so. So they're making a She-Hulk show yes. for Disney Plus is the plan, at least. You know, obviously all of this is now like in some measure of flux, right? Just because we don't know what the future holds. But the, the, the plan is that a She-Hulk show is moving forward at Disney Plus. 
And I believe that Mark Ruffalo is rumored to be involved or is like confirmed to be involved. I'm not sure off the top of my head if he's like, I don't think it's been like a Marvel press release has announced Mark Ruffalo is going to be in it, but they're going to have Mark Ruffalo in it. Hulk survives Endgame. There's no reason to not have him continue on. Mark Ruffalo seems to really love being part of this world. Seems like a real fun person to to have uh, in that universe. In terms of like the the people who make this stuff, uh, they seem to love him in that family, even if they can't trust him with the secrets because he goes on talk shows and spoils the shit out of stuff by accident. Him and Tom uh, Holland, man. <laughs> you know they're not you know loose lips and all of that. Um, so I, I expect that we're definitely not done with Hulk as a character in the MCU. I just think the way in which he's used, um, it'll be, uh, I'm curious to know. I mean, I think that that's some of the stuff to, to talk about here is like, I, I don't think you could accuse the people who were involved in making this movie of not really giving a shit about the Hulk. Like, I think that they care about the Hulk and the Hulk mythology quite a bit. I think it's like a conflict of visions. Uh, and obviously, like, there's the very muddled opening to the movie that I remember at the time really uh, appreciating what they were doing, that they have, like, the opening credit sequence that gives you the origin story that just, like, kind of yada yadas through it. And, like, mercifully so, because we just saw a movie all about this a couple years earlier. So, yeah, we know what happened. He got shot with the gamma cannon. And now he's on the run and the guy with the mustache hates him and he's running from him specifically. Uh, and so like, that's fine to just like put that on the credits. But like, that is also very emblematic of the bigger issues with this movie because that's like, you know, a solid half hour, 40 minutes of footage that was shot and conceived of and ultimately discarded. Um, but was originally going to be like full on origin, you know, segments of the film. Uh, this wasn't like shot because it was like a cool idea for the credit sequence that they had like baked into the script. It was like, it, it, it's a, it's a, it's a totem to the crisis of vision that occurred with the incredible Hulk. Um, but like you see things like you, you see, you talk about like the incredible Hulk references, uh, Doc Samson played by Ty Burrell here, who I know is a Hulk character, but I don't know anything else about it. He has green hair in the comics, I believe. He does. He's also a strong person because also gamma radiation. (laughs) Yeah, everyone's gamma radiated in the the Hulk world. Everyone Uh, in the MCU is irradiated in some way. You know, there's they've they've got you know General Ross here. They've got Betty here. They're trying to throw in some some Doc Samson. Uh, who's is there? A Rick Jones? Is there a Rick Jones in the uh, in the Hulk universe? Yes, there is. It's really. And I think he was like written into the script. I don't know who that is, but I know he's like. Uh, is he like the boy wonder to the Hulk's Batman? I suppose you could say that. Like Rick Jones is like Bruce Banner's like friend and stuff. Um, but like it's 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 weird. You 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 rent you mentioned Rick and you mentioned the opening credits and everything. And I actually I did enjoy and I still even watching it enjoy the opening credits hitting the You're origin really story silly, that way. Man, like the the way that like like the like the the Hulk POV and you see like William Hurt being like Meh, get away from me. I mean, like, yes, that's not ideal, but I like the conceit of doing goofy as hell. It's goofy, but I like the conceit of doing the origin story in the opening credits because, like you said, we just saw it. And while the Hulk is more obscure, like doing another superman movie and being like hey here's his origin or batman here's his origin i think is is unnecessary for certain characters especially in in recency um and i i've always been like hey just do the opening credits and the, you know the origin and the credits could be really good the best interpretation of this to me is actually the new batman superman adventures which is an animated series but 
the opening credits of that just showed Batman and Superman's origin, like in silhouette art style. And it just does such a great job. And this is the goofy version of that. But I don't know. Do we need more origin stories at all no, times, Josh? No, we, no, we definitely don't. My point is that uh, I agree with you that this is a great way to handle an origin story, all things being equal. But they filmed all of that stuff with the intention of having it in the movie. And instead, they made like a post-production decision to chop that shit up <laughs> and turn it into the credits. And so it's like a little weird. It's a little goofy. It's very expansive if they were just shooting that for opening credits. Uh, and it's because they weren't. They were shooting that for the movie. Um, and I think that that is the kind of thing where like you can you can you can't really see the behind the scenes woes on Iron Man in the same way that you can on the Incredible Hulk. Like both of these movies were stitched together in a in a, like uh, in a cave with a box of scraps, you know, and and one and one of them flew out of the cave uh, and became, um, you know, the. I mean, I guess he's more Han Solo than Luke Skywalker, but became like the poster man of the biggest franchise of all time. And one of them had to get recast for the third time in about a decade because this movie was uh, just did not hit. Um, that's my point. That's my and, and I think that the credits uh, serve at, at the altar of that uh, that point. Uh, I think like it's it's a good idea if that's your initial conception, <laughs> but like, it wasn't, <laughs> but it wasn't. And like Spider-Man homecoming is going to, you know, they're, they're not even going to show you the origin, but they like, they catch you up with like a really creative, like uh, this is what happened in civil war from Spidey's perspective, just to like get you situated in the character within the MCU. Uh, like that's a very different thing um, here. You know, I, I appreciate not having to like relitigate, you know, getting zapped by the gamma things. Um, but it, it's it's very clear to me that uh, Edward Norton and everybody involved, they love the Hulk. So the, the the bigger question then, Kevin, is it that like, is it as simple as uh, crisis of vision is the reason why this went down? Or is there something about Hulk as a character that can't gel well for its own adventure? Because I would I would say that like decades of comic books set in its own specific incredible hulk title and the fact that there are 80 episodes plus five movies of the incredible hulk tv series suggests that you can do just fine telling unique hulk stories ultimately no uh, sort of i mean so what's the problem what's the ish i mean i think the ish is that ultimately the hulk as a character is a character that i mean like superheroes to an extent right like they're all archetypes that we've seen in permeations over and over again. But I think the Hulk traces even further back to the point that the story is almost too old because the Hulk is very clearly like it's, it's, it's a, a doctor and Jekyll situation almost to a T. And that story has been told so many times. And the idea of like the darkness inside of us and the duality of humanity and everything, it, it's, it's a theme that we see reflected, not just in superheroes, but in movies over and over and over again the duality 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 it's like a buzzword I can, especially in marketing i hear that word so many times that i hate it um but it, it, it's it's and it's the a duality thing that, there is that you hate the word but as you work in marketing you must wield it as well yes <laughs> it is my it is my yeah. curse and my power yeah. um yeah but yeah i think that's the biggest issue with the hulk and the comics a lot of them boil down to the same thing it, it, it's exactly that now, the comics have a little more room to play. They've been around for a lot longer. He's become smart Hulk 
more than one occasion at this point. So we kind of have that version of the character that we see. Yeah, what are what are a few of the different uh, a few of the different types of Hulks that we oh, have boy. seen in the comics, and like which which ones have we seen that are like from the comics that we have also seen in in the movies? Like, there's just straight up angry Hulk. We've seen a bunch of that. That's like sort of your your uh, your Coca Cola classic. Hulk, yes, right. There's a classic uh, Hulk. There's the I mean, there's the one where it's it's more about him in control of it and him changing at will, which we see happens by the time Avengers come around. So there's that version of the character. Um, yeah, and then the really the last version we see really is the the merged Hulk. You know where it's uh, Hulk's body and Bruce Banner's brain. Um, that uh, was something I think Gray Hulk was a Hulk in the comics that that had that that had that ability. Um, Green Hulk is the angry one, and then they started to play with more colors, and it got real ridiculous. But um, I, I, I think those are the versions. There's there's ones where it's sort of like I don't think we've ever had like the Hulk brain in Bruce Banner's body because that would just be an angry dude. <laughs> and it wouldn't really. I'd love to see much. Mark Ruffalo get his hands around that though. That seems fun. <laughs> yeah. So like uh, the closest we get is like him in the Iron Man armor, right, in the Hulkbuster armor in Infinity War. Um, but yeah, that, that's the main interpretations of the Hulk that we've seen before. Um, and then there's the unbridled one where to the, there's an extent where Bruce Banner, you know, they talk about, again, this kind of character's been around forever, so it depends on who's writing it, has certain level of still being him. It's just his anger. So he's still somewhat in control. And there's been points where, uh, he shuts off Bruce Banner completely and it's just the angry, angry rage monster. And like, uh, that's a version of the character that happens sometimes, um, another good interpretation. Oh man, now I'm gonna mess up who it is, and I feel terrible. It's either Azarello or Brian K. Vaughn again, who did a series called Banner that was really good, and I think is one of the the, the better Hulk stories that tried to really play with that character in interesting ways. Um, but again, most of the stories really are that, and what we saw in the Avengers films, and I think that works, is just it is a version of the character that existed in comics. They just hadn't done it before and played it with it in such ways, you know. Yeah, I I think uh, I'll, I'll be curious to see how a She Hulk series works. Well, She Hulk like, is a completely different. Well, like, yeah, but I <laughs> I think like, play, playing with the the Gamma World again and playing with the you've got a monster inside of you and how do you choose to use it? Because uh, that's that's really what the Hulk is about, right? It's like everybody's angry or everybody has something inside of them that they try to keep away, and then what happens when it comes out? Can you be in control of it? Do you have to surrender to the control? You know, do you surrender control to the thing? Uh, and in the case of She-Hulk, who's his cousin, right? Uh, yes. And she, and she is a, an attorney. Uh, she kind of just like freaking loves being She-Hulk, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. Jennifer Walters, who is her uh, the Hulk's cousin, who gets Hulk powers because of a blood transfusion, which at a certain point, you're just like, maybe don't use your blood knowing what, what it is. Um, but... She Although in like the future of the to, MCU, you can imagine that like uh, Smart Hulk is going to be like, yeah, no, I'll totally give you your uh, my blood. It's going to probably turn you into a Hulk. But I think that's great. I love being Hulk. And she's probably like, yeah, you seem like you've uh, you've really chilled out. You eat a lot. Um, <laughs> but like other than that, like you seem like really, really hip with it. So maybe like she wants it. Maybe she wants that. Hulk I mean, blood. it could be quite possible in that way, because that's what she Hulk is, is 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 more akin to what we see with the Smart Hulk where or Merged Hulk, where she has the Hulk body, but she's still Jennifer Walters in her mind. She doesn't have as much as duality, at least in the popular interpretation of the character made really, really popular by Dan Slott, uh, whose She-Hulk series is so good. And I hope that's the influence for the show, honestly. Um, she's just a big green uh, attorney. 
and uh, it's great. And it, you know, there's an interesting dynamic to that character uh, because of that. So um, yeah, it, it, I'm also excited to return to the Hulk world that they have established here. I just, I really, yeah, I, I don't think the Hulk world that they establish here in the incredible Hulk works the here of the Marvel universe that we know now does work. If that yeah, makes as, sense. As you repeatedly say, like in the world where we now have a gun toting raccoon yes. and a talking tree, like that should work. Correct. You, and probably, you can probably get the Hulk family here now. Exactly. And you can have fun with the Hulk. And I think that's the big difference too, is that back then you got to remember, this is a time of, of uh, Sam Raimi, Sam Raimi, Spider-Man. This is a time of like the darker tone X-Men. This is blade. This is, you know, Iron Man just came out. Iron Man just came out to change the game. But back then, superheroes were about angst and drama and seriousness. So you couldn't have the Hulk that we have now who can have fun and be amusing and, and kind of charming and everything. Like, it, it's such a different way of looking at these characters. Times change, uh, Josh. I've So I've heard. So I've heard. <laughs> All right. So let's talk plot real quick. I mean, we talked about the, uh, we talked about the opening credit sequence. And that really yada yadas us through the origin, but then the the action uh, the action picks up where uh, where where Bruce Bruce is hiding out. Bruce it's, is in Brazil, <laughs> working at a bottling factory for yeah, soda. Uh, those sodas look great. Give me one of those uh, those great green sodas. I would well, drink that. What do you think the flavor is? It's it's a uh, probably the same flavor as Surge or Ecto Cooler. It's such a nineties uh, looking soda, even though this movie takes place in two thousand three. Mm-hmm. It's so very bizarre. Like I'm sure it was done because it's just like ah, it looks radioactive, and he is. But it like, looks like, yeah, looks, I mean, I drink is, that soda. Don't get me wrong. I drink it now. Yeah, but. I was I was going to say, like, don't don't shade the soda, Kevin. I know your habits. Yo, yeah. I know what you I know how you imbibe. <laughs> uh, you would you would crush an incredible Hulk flavored Mountain Dew. Oh, yeah. I'd feel terrible about it afterwards, but I would drink the bottle. <laughs> you'd, feel, you'd feel great while you were doing it. Yeah, yeah. At the time, I'm like, yes, I feel the do, do the do, and then <laughs> do just the do. The incredible do. on the floor, curled up into uh, a ball. What's your favorite part about Bruce's uh, life in Rio de Janeiro? His, uh, his dog. Yeah. <laughs> which i'm so upset that they tranked that dog later he just yeah what happens to the dog you never even find right? out just gone and like i just that how do you know he's the bad guy oh do because he shot it, the dog do they turn it into one of the hulk dogs <gasps> from uh retroactively Lee hulk. yeah <laughs> it's possible that would be depressing oh uh um, big time big time yeah, that's probably the only thing that I think is interesting. I mean, what I, about like the breathing techniques? He's learning breathing techniques because if his heart, uh, if his heart rate goes above two hundred beats per minute, Kevin, that's it, game over. <laughs> very, very exact science on uh, the hulking out process. It's really weird. I mean, from the from the level of a studio. I can see them being like, well, we need to have some sort of indicator to show that he's going to transform an actual ticking clock. That's how I imagine studio execs talk. Yeah, I was going to just ask. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So I can see why that decision was made. I'm not saying it's a good decision, though. Like, it's just such a it's just such a clear, like, studio direction almost or uh, just a direction to be like, well, we have to have some sort of indicator. That's how that's how screenwriting dictates, as opposed to like, I don't know, having the actor act. you know, I, I, the breathing techniques part I did enjoy only because it came back to my favorite line from the movie later, which is when him and Betty had that exchange about he's just like, you know, I have some breathing techniques I can 
show you, uh, yeah. which is probably the part of the movie where I'm like, that. where was that? Where was that the rest of the movie? We could use more of that. You know, um, My favorite line from the movie uh, comes up right around this segment of the movie where he's like uh, fighting the, the people at the factory who do not like him. Right. They, don't even, they don't even like Bruce Banner. Uh, and he says, don't make me hungry. You wouldn't like me when I'm hungry in Spanish <laughs> uh, or Portuguese. It's a translation error. Uh, so that's fun. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a, one of those, of course, callbacks to uh, the Incredible Hulk TV show. Uh, yeah. The, the yeah. famous line made by Bill Bixby himself. Yeah. So everybody knows that quote. Um, it's just a lot of Edward Norton. Yes. In these scenes. And I, I love Edward Norton. You know, given that Edward Norton has been in so many things that I that I have enjoyed, whether it's Fight Club or it's, you know, uh, you know, he's he's had some like really good comic roles. I don't know if you ever saw Keeping the Faith, the rom-com with uh, Ben Stiller and Jenna Elfman that he directed. I believe he directed that. I didn't know he directed that. That's one of like my my like underrated favorites of all time. Like I just like that. Like if I just want like a good like movie that I know exactly how I will feel coming into it and out of it. Like that's a that's a that's a movie that I'll put on. It's got a great Elliot Smith sound drop in it. I love the Edward Norton. You missed my favorite I, Edward Norton movie, which is what Death of Smushy. Oh, Death of Smushy. Friends come in all sizes. I saw that movie six me. times in theaters. <laughs> Six oh, times. You saw Death to Smoochie six times in theaters? To be fair, I worked at a movie theater at that point, but I kept bringing okay. new friends. Like, literally, it was two of us that started, and then every other subsequent thing, we brought more people who then brought more people. So by the end, it's just an entire group of us who each saw it, you know, together over and over at this point, and we're also singing the songs in the empty theater because no one was there anymore. Um, I love that movie. I legit love that movie, which is why I think Edward Norton has the acting capabilities to Edward do Norton, it. You know? Yeah, I mean, Death to Smoochie is not the reason why Edward Norton has the acting capability. <laughs> How dare you? Uh, it, you know, it's it's the you know, is it Rounders? Like you know, you you name it. Like there's just like a uh, the twenty fifth hour. There's just like there's an Edward Norton occasion for all seasons, and yet I don't know if I really felt this so much at the time. Um, and I, we we talked about like why he doesn't connect in the same way that you know Robert Downey Jr. is afforded those opportunities, and all of the other characters are like they they are the characters start to finish, even if they're in like a CGI costume or whatever. Um, you know Edward Norton is not like actually hulking out, so he's not you know you're not connecting with the actor on that level. But beyond that, there is something about Edward Norton in these scenes. Uh, as he's like running around from spot to spot that I, I cannot put my finger on. And I really wanted to be able to figure out how to articulate it in time for the podcast. And I just have not landed on it. And I wonder if you have any thoughts about it or if you like agree with me that like it just doesn't work. And like the movie is asking you to spend so much time with this guy, especially in isolation and in, you know, uh, you know, like knowing what he's going through and he doesn't want to bring out the Hulk. And all you want to do is for him to fail because you want to see the Hulk. Um, so it's just like I, I spend so much of the movie rooting against Bruce Banner. And I don't know that I would if it was Mark Ruffalo. I think I love Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner in a way that like it just doesn't work for me with Edward Norton. And I have never been able to figure out exactly why that's the case. It's because the most interesting part about this version of the character is his transformation into the Hulk. So that's the only thing you want to see him do because he doesn't have enough of a personality for you to care about following him at the beginning. He's just a dude. But you would think that Edward Norton is a talented enough actor that he would be able to imbue that into Bruce Banner. And I just don't get it. I kind of like 
to me, it's like if Corey Matthews had been like zapped with the gamma radiation and was on the run to become the Hulk. Like it's like he feel he feels like very boy meets world to me. But Corey uh, Matthews, I think, has more personality. Like like Corey has a personality. It's it's an annoying personality, but it's a point personality that you 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 are okay with watching. Like well, b- baby boy, Corey Matthews did like in like the college years. He was just like kind of just like one note angsty. Oh yeah, he turned. I mean, like he, you know that that character. That's got, the Corey Matthews I'm talking. Yeah, about. he got rossed pretty hard at a certain point. Uh-huh. He just his, all character attributes except you were annoying <laughs> went away. Um, but that's just sort of what it feels like. It's like when this boy meets Hulk. Uh, it's like <laughs> when all of, you really want is Sean Hunter in that scene. <laughs> I mean, that would be great. Get me Ryder strong as Bruce Banner. Yeah, baby. Uh, I actually don't think that would work at all. <laughs> <laughs> it might. We. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it would really work so well. So I, just, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. It's just. It, it never really works for me. And obviously, uh, we do finally get some Hulk action because. At the soda factory, uh, we get like blood cam, right? When uh, when Bruce uh, cuts his finger <laughs> open and a drop of blood falls and he like, stop it, stop the whole thing, shut it down. And it's like, okay, everything looks good. But yeah, a drop of blood totally got into a bottle and it poisoned Stan Lee. And so now they all know how to find Bruce Banner. Which also, Stan Lee's cameo, we actually didn't talk about that uh, last time for Iron Man, the Stan Lee right. cameo where uh, Tony mistook him for Hugh Hefner. Do you um, want to rank the Stan Lee cameos as we go here? Is that worth doing? We can. Do I mean, do it in, well, let's do it informally. We can do an informal ranking. I mean, yeah, uh, can, I would put this one this without. Yeah, this is just a, as we go. Yeah, I think I would put this one above the Iron Man one. I, yeah, for I sure. know this, my favorite one already off the top of my head. Just based yeah, on memory, I, I, but. I feel like I know which one that is, too. <laughs> uh, but I, I think that this is uh, this is actually so Stan Lee drinking a gamma irradiated soda. Uh, I think is actually pretty high up on the Stan Lee cameos for me. Yeah, I mean, it's a like, great it's one. Definitely, it's definitely better than him being Hugh Hefner. Yes. Uh, which is funny, but like, you know, doesn't really make a ton of sense. Uh, and uh, here as uh, the guy who uh, drinks the Hulk juice, because it makes you think about like, is there a Stan Lee Hulk somewhere in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Because that's fun, if there is. That would be, don't make me Excelsior. <laughs> you, you, know? you won't like me when I Excelsior. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think he, he, had a, he had a moment to be, like, really fun in this one with his, like, exaggerated, you know, oh, no, uh, face yeah. when he drinks it. Um, yeah. So, definitely, I think this is up there, because it's one I remembered immediately when the movie started, versus other ones that I don't remember coming to mind at all so it certainly sticks out in a great way um which is is fantastic like i didn't remember the hugh hafner thing when iron man started until it happened i was like ah stanley uh this i knew i was like oh yeah he drinks the soda (laughs) yeah so so bruce has been communicating with mr blue who we know uh is going to be the tim blake nelson character he's uh, reaching out to him as Mr. Green to Mr. Blue. But little does Mr. Green know that Mr. Orange himself is on the way. Uh, the the other Tim, Tim Roth, uh, of Reservoir Dogs fame, is showing up here as Emil Blonsky, Special Forces agent. Uh, and he's really just he's just doing his uh, his Tim Roth thing. You know, there's really no dimensionality to the character whatsoever. It's just Tim Roth, who I love as an actor playing a mercenary who is very impressed by a monster and uh, very offhandedly at one point in the movie is going to say like, yeah, man, if I was like 10 years younger, I wouldn't want to fight that guy. And, you know, mustache Ross is going to say, oh, well, I could do something about that. And that's the arc 
is he just gets like boosted with like steroids and he becomes like a roid rage monster. That's the Emil Blonsky story. Which, I mean, they could have done more with the character, I think. I, th- I think it's also just bad portrayal, not portrayal. Like, he, Tim Roth did great. I, I love I Tim Roth. Great. I think he's yeah. great. I think he's great. One of my favorite scenes in the entire movie, maybe my favorite scene in the entire movie, is when the, when the two Tims are together. And he's, like, on the cusp of abomination. And he wants Sam Stearns to, like, hook him up. And he's like, I want that. I need that. Like when he says, "Like yeah, that thing, I want that. I, want that. I need that. I, I need that." Uh, it's just like I laughed so hard at one in the morning the other night as I was watching the Incredible Hulk. I was like, I had completely forgotten about like Tim Roth as Emil Blonsky just like showing up to Tim Blake Nelson as as the future leader or the erstwhile leader. That's probably one of my favorite scenes just because of the two of them playing off each other. I think did great. You find you you had these two very 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 talented actors like kind of having this like despite the fact that it was like an intense scene conveyed in like a really fun interesting way. I actually really love their interaction with each other. Uh Yeah. Yeah, and it it is it is uh it is odd because like I feel like they could have done more with the character in terms of like he's an old military mercenary who has done he's he's beaten everything he's beaten every single thing that's ever come in front of him and you could have had this guy who just is so bored with life because he's so good at killing and then he finally encounters something that he can't beat and it drives him to this like level of just like this is one the type of like adrenaline i've been missing that i haven't had in like a decade um, and I need to beat it because it's just the thing that I, I haven't been able to do. You could have done right. something with that. And instead totally. you, you, they didn't really, I mean, you kind of had it there, but yeah, it was, it was not a great well, villain, yeah, which we'll then, see in our villain ranking. I'm sure. Well, then turning him into a CGI monster, like you completely lose anything that's working about Emil Blonsky. And it's literally just the performance, right. it's the performance like uh, Tim Roth, like at least with like Obadiah Stane, like, yeah, it's mostly the performance there. But I think like there's some stuff that like is like good thematic commentary. I think especially like retroactively, I give Obadiah Stane a little bit of a bump up, a little bit of a boost me up um, because I think like he bookends the Iron Man villain, uh, the, the Iron Man rogues gallery in the MCU pretty nicely with him and Thanos. Like I think are like both like kind of like greedy guys or like they're both after something. And uh, I, I like the way that they mirror each other. And Emil Blonsky is just like, uh, more like Emil Blasky. Oh, that's Kevin. the one I missed. That's really good. That's really good. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. But Tim Roth is great. Tim Roth is fine. Tim, Gra- Tim Roth is always great. Um, let's see. What I'm trying to think of uh, Four Rooms is a fun Tim Tim, uh, Tim Roth mm-hmm. one. And Rosencrantz and Gildersner are dead. Go for the comedies. You don't expect what this from the these show? guys. Lie to me. Uh, that Lie that to too. Me. He can tell show? when you're lying. Like all these yeah, other people with superpowers that are just observation lie to me i won't (laughs) like it if you lie to me uh and so he goes to brazil and then hulk hulks out for the first time in several several days several months whatever it is and he wakes up in guatemala yeah i i do have to call out though i did and i will always love that shot because it was another reference where he when he like starts to transform and he falls over and he's his face is in shadows and you just see his eyes and they turn green that is again a reference to the old tv show and i love 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 that shot i loved it in the old show i love it here that does stand out to me i also think it's weird because this was another thing indicative of the time where it's very much just like hold back the hulk we can't show him look he's in shadow we can't we can't reveal him yet we got to hold it back hold it back whereas now these days no 
Like in Avengers, there's like half a second where he's sort of in shadow, and then the next second he's in broad daylight fighting Thor, and it's great. Like I think that's something that's also very, very different. Is this like weird? Back then, it was all about holding it back, not giving fan service. Whereas now, it's like the right balance of like allowing the fans to have what they want, allowing the audience to have what it wants without being like holding it back so they can just anticipate it more. I think that's that's a very old school style for uh, for the period and especially for superhero films. I do like it when he wakes up and he's walking and you get the Lonely Man theme there. Like that's a yes. that's. That's a great music cue. Uh, That's it's fine. one of the greatest music cues I think of all time. Maybe, it's so maybe, good. Maybe the actual highlight of the movie is like that moment of like he's just hulked out. Everything that he's been trying to do for years now is to not hulk out. He's failed. He's on the run again. So this little life that he's created for himself in Brazil has blown up. And now here he is again, the lonely man. And you get that, you know, that that Hulk TV series theme song that's, you know, iconic, even if you didn't watch the show like me. Like, I know that. Like, I know that. Da, 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 da. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> uh, you know, like, I, I, I mean, I can't imagine we're not going to end the podcast with the Lonely Man theme. Like, how do you not uh, this week? So, uh, really great stuff. And then what? Like, I mean, are we really going to go blow by blow through the movie? Like, do we really have to do that here? There's like, not. It's, like, he goes back home. He finds Betty. Betty's. He doesn't want Betty. He does. I don't want to bother her. She seems happy. She's with the modern family guy. Oh, God. She sees me. She knows I'm here. I need her to help me get some stuff from the science lab. She, then, then things go awry and he fights a tank. And Emil Blonsky wants that. He needs that. So he's been infused with some super soldiers theorem because General Ross has hooked him up with the stuff. And Emil Blonsky gets like so hot on his own shit that he, uh, he goes up one on one just himself against the Hulk. And there's some really cool shots of him running on the field. I really like yes, that. Good that, camera work. That actually, that's another thing I remember from when I watched this because I appreciated the cap reference. Like, this is why they have this formula because it makes sense to me that the, the government would be like, we got to replicate, replicate that. Yeah, as, we got some of that. Yeah, and as we a war... That. We need that. We need that. We're the government. We need, we need it. We're going to make our own super soldiers. Out, I am that. I? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like, I remember in the theater, you know, cap was just a twinkle in the MCU eye at, the, at this point. Well, more than a twinkle, I guess. They were hoping for it. But seeing him run um, on the field, seeing him fight the Hulk, the, the way he flipped, the way he moved, I remember sitting in the theater and being like, that's how Captain America is going to move. Because like yeah. the agility and the, the style, that was Cap to me. That's how they did it. And sure enough, they did keep that. And this movie did influence Cap's stylistic movement because it is unique to him. Um, I, 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 I applaud that because I do love how he moved because he moved like how I always imagined Captain America should be that type of speed. It's almost a mimic of the scene in Infinity War he's, where he's running in front of everyone in the same way he's doing those flips. It's the same thing we see in Winter Soldier. So I really did like that part up until he became weird abomination CGI guy. But yeah, but it's a really it's a fun shot when uh, he goes up to the Hulk. It's like, that's it. That's all you got. And then Hulk's like, no, let me just like punch you across the field. He didn't even punch him. He uh, kicks him. He just boots him. Yeah. And he just like rolls and hits a tree. What a I shot. Know, like we're at the point of the movie where it's just like it's like kind of like fetch quest meets like uh smashy 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 blow up stuff <laughs> yes uh, and just like if, if there was nuance in the movie it's mostly gone at this point um or it's like like if they are doing character work it's pretty dry at this point uh hulk runs off with betty and he's scared he's a fear to the lightning is scared of the thunder <laughs> Uh, and then like she tries to get him pants and he turns down the stretchy purple pants he doesn't want to be the purple pants badass but that's a nice nod to hulk lore that he's traditionally in those purple pants and then they give uh they give blonsky more of the stuff and he's back on his feet probably too soon 
And then they go to New York, and this is where they meet Mr. Blue, Samuel Stearns. And we just maybe should spend a little more time just talking about how great Tim Blake we Nelson is. We should absolutely is. spend more time with Tim Blake and, Nelson. And there is a reason why we had the podcast open with that quote from Tim Blake Nelson, because like that whole scene uh, is another highlight from the movie, uh, because he's just so fun and eccentric as this character. And like, you got to imagine what uh, what Bruce had been like expecting and hoping for from the guy he was that was on the other end of the computer uh, this whole time. And it's just this guy who's like very like giddily enthusiastic about the prospects of exploiting the gamma stuff, not for like the same reasons that General Ross does, but for reasons nonetheless, when all Bruce wants is to get rid of this stuff and burn it in a fire and throw it away and lock away the key. Uh, and he also has this line about how, you know, like we're talking about a razor's edge. This is dangerous stuff we're talking about doing here. Uh, and if we do it wrong, we could definitely kill the Hulk. And if that's not a meta comment on the movie, I don't know what is. <laughs> Thankfully, they did not kill the Hulk. I mean, they yeah. they put him down for a while, I suppose. But like, yeah, like this movie, he the Hulk went away for a period until he was needed. And then he showed back up at the end. Um, but yeah. like, yeah, I, I loved that. And I loved I loved his energy. I loved his eccentricities. But I also like the character I thought was interesting because like, I don't know. It's hard to be like, he wants to exploit the gamma stuff. Yes, but he's specifically just like, there's so many diseases we can cure. There's so much good we can do with this. And it is always weird to then have a good guy be like, no, I don't care about the good. It's bad for me because look what it did to me. So get rid of it. And I think that's crazy talk. Um, Yeah, but maybe he doesn't trust this guy now that he like he's seeing him up close. He's like, oh, you're like way too excited about this. You smell vaguely of a cheese I dislike, uh, like whatever it is. Like he's like, I don't know that I trust this person. Anymore. Yeah, and I I feel like that's more like you know the audience isn't supposed to trust him, so therefore you know. But also, I mean, there is the bias of it's Tim Blake Nelson, so you just want to like him. Um, yeah. Just put that put him in more things, guys. Just across Hollywood, if you're all listening to this podcast, please put Tim Blake Nelson in everything. Um, everything he touches is gold yeah i also even really like i mentioned that or encounter reflected teen everything he touches reflected teen is reflected right back he sees yeah. inside you while you are reflected yeah. um yeah but like i love even his delivery of lines right like that that moment where blonsky has him and he's just like i didn't say i wasn't gonna do it i just needed yeah. informed consent i just I really just- love that <laughs> i would be very here just you know i think like the biggest what if theoretical about this movie is like what does this movie improve if mark ruffalo is playing bruce banner I don't know that it does. I think we I don't think this movie exists if Mark Ruffalo is as Bruce Banner because it plays out very differently because Edward Norton is such a critical player in the behind the scenes of this that I just don't I don't think that it it comes out quite the same way. Um, So the Ruffalo one is obvious, but like mine is like, what happens if like they had allowed Tim Blake Nelson to continue on? As the leader. I love or it. Like, Bring him in now, guys. You set that, a precedent here. Saying. Like, I think like they could do it. I think you could bring him back. Like, I think you could have Tim Blake Nelson on for She-Hulk. I think you could have like maybe like he was arrested for uh like experiments that were like illicit, and maybe like he's up for parole and She-Hulk is like representing him. If uh, that to, like, is a out. surprise bad guy and incorporation to She-Hulk, that is Tim Blake Nelson back as the leader. Oh my God. That's like, I think that'd be fun. It'd be amazing. I mean, like (laughs) at the end of the day, they kept the best things of these movies, which is William Hurt, Tim Blake Nelson and Martin Starr. So really then everything would come full circle in the perfect way here. 
Yeah. Uh, well, unfortunately, uh, the Hulk uh, can't come full circle. Uh, Bruce Banner and Betty Ross will have one scene where they're in the hotel room together. And it seems like they're about to get hot and heavy. But that clock uh, can't go past uh, 200 uh, beats per minute. Yeah, he's uh, angel. So he, he can't do he's it. He's in trouble there. He's <laughs> angel. He can't do it. Uh, so he, they, they've like figured out how to like uh, successfully stifle the Hulk. Maybe they've got an antidote to the transformation. And then uh, Banner gets shot with the trank and he gets taken. And then Blonsky, he comes to Stearns. I need that. I want that. Uh, and he gets he also, up with it. I was going to say, he also has that line, just loving on Tim Blake Nelson. It's just like, why do you keep hitting people? Yeah, <laughs> like, why do you keep was... hitting people? It's very funny. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so he does the thing. And then like uh, he gets a cut on his forehead and some of that uh, the gamma goo drips down into Samuel Stearns' forehead. And you just see his head bubbling. It's like, oh, yeah, because the leader has a giant head and he's smiling. And this is like the Terrence Howard next time, baby, that never comes to pass. Uh, that's essentially what's happening here is like we're setting up Dr. Stearns as the leader for the Incredible Hulk 2, except that movie does not happen. Um, so maybe in a future scenario, uh, we will we will see that come to play. Uh, but Emil Blonsky, full abomination now, and he starts like wreaking havoc all over New York. He takes it out on Harlem specifically. Uh, what did Luke Cage think of all of this is what I want to know. I mean, that's probably the influence. I mean, you have lots of levels where... You know, they they discuss about the fact that the Marvel shows take place in modern day, but things like Hell's Kitchen and Harlem especially have really, it's not the Harlem and, and Hell's Kitchen of the past. And so they've sort of referenced in the show, and I think metatextually, that the incident with the Hulk, the incident uh, in Manhattan with Avengers have basically made Hell's Kitchen and Harlem the version that we kind of knew then. So, it, it you know, it's, it's, not, it's not the almost gentrified version that we know now. Um, so I think that it does... To an extent, this influenced Luke Cage and uh, Daredevil, respectively. But uh, yeah, <laughs> how great would it have been? Wait, maybe, maybe Omar was Luke Cage and that was going to be the setup. Can you imagine? Oh, wow, that would have been good. That would have been good. <laughs> that would have been dope. Why was he that there? What was that? I, I, watching this, I was like legit like, wait, is that Omar? Was he it's just Michael there for K. a second? Williams. Blink, blink, and you'll miss it. Yeah, I, uh, I think we may have uh, a little something on the behind the scenes on that. Let me just really quickly look and see. No, I think I think we may have lost it in translation somewhere. Uh, but I think like someone just loved him and was just like, yeah, let's just get Michael K. Williams in the room for a little sure. Bit. It's just I, I get it, but it's also just one of those distracting moments because just like, hey, oh, he's well, like a person. Could, <laughs> he could be the next Martin Star. Like we don't know who Michael K. Williams may become. I in would love it. Marvel I would movie, love so. again. Just bring back all the weird parts of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Bruce Banner is like, look what you did, General Ross, and then uh, Betty is like, yeah, Dad, you suck. <laughs> uh, I think that's a line, and he's like, you got to throw me out of the helicopter. I'm the only one who can stop him. And it's a cute scene where, like, he's dropping and he's like, oh, shit, it's not working. Yeah. Uh, and then he, like, slams down into the ground. And how is he not just dead? Well, because he transforms before he hits, Josh. Come on yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, I guess. But, like, he hits the ground and it doesn't look like it. Uh, but I guess that must be how it works. And then there's a fight and it is really just, like, amorphous CGI thing hits amorphous CGI thing really hard. This is a bad fight. If we're If we're ranking end fights, we could do that on the fly as well. Um, Iron Man one one, the yeah. Incredible Hulk two. Yeah, for Very sure. Easy, like without easy. without question. I, I think this one's lower on the list. And 
you know, at the beginning of the fight, it, it goes back to that that same thing I mentioned before about the um the the fight taking place in you know in the from the environment, and you get cool moments. You get the whole hit a police car in half and put them on like boxing gloves, and it's probably the best part of that fight. And you're just like, oh, that's really cool. Then they just go into like a collapsed building that yeah. is there and has things, and you're just kind of like, oh, oh, okay. And then like the helicopter shows up as a set piece, but like. Yeah, the, the fight really just goes downhill. They had moments where, like that, the 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 whole the, the him clapping to put out the flames, I thought was cool. That's something we've seen in the comics, you know. Um, we we get him to say Hulk smash, which was which was fun. I, I, the only thing about that though is like it's a weird context for it. I don't think it works as a line, but I appreciate the fact that Lou Ferrigno finally gets to say Hulk smash. Um, yeah, but like the, yeah, the fight's just kind of blah and like. You know, he's going to go tear off the head and Betty's like, no, don't do that. (laughs) Yeah. Notably, he leaves him alive. So, you know, maybe Emil Blonsky is going to be up for parole and uh, Bruce Banner's cousin uh, is going to either. Is she a prosecutor or a defense attorney? Um, She is a prosecutor, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So maybe she'd be like, you got to throw him back in. (laughs) It's a bad guy. Uh, But get justice for Tim Roth. Bring him back too. Let's get the Tims, Blake, Nelson, and Roth back in the MCU. Because uh, Abomination doesn't die. He's fine. He's alive. They just need to, like, uh, they need to give him that antidote. He he's being kept that. on the raft, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe he's on the raft. Uh, but Hulk leaves. He runs away. And he never is seen again as Ed Norton. Uh, the <laughs> final thing is like, he's like kind of like controlling the Hulk a little bit more. Is there continuity from that final shot of him like doing like the yoga pose and like controlling the Hulk out um, with where he's at as, as Bruce Banner and the Avengers? Probably I to think some degree, so. Right? I, I always yeah. thought like when the Avengers happened and he, you know, he, he transformed uh, in the awesome, awesome way he does at the end. I definitely thought that was influenced from that shot. Cause like, I thought, you know, the ending shot is showing he's trying to, be able to control the Hulk a little bit better. And I think that's where we are in um, certainly in the uh, MCU version we see in Avengers. Um, of course, it's it's a tease and a lead up to the fact that he can do that. But I certainly think there is a continuity line there you can pull, which I which I like, you know, um, that was also drawn. I mean, this this had pieces and, and, and Avengers when we talk about it has pieces, but there is a draw like that shot. The famous shot of the Hulk is pulled straight from the Ultimates. And this the same thing where he's being pushed out of the plane and transforms on the way down, which we see here and then also see to hilarious callback effect in, um, in Thor Ragnarok is also pulled from the ultimates where they did that, where they, except they, they forcefully threw him out uh, of, of the plane and he transforms as before he hits the ground. Um, so you do see a lot of influence of the ultimates, I think in, in a lot of the MCU going oh. forward. And, but that that all speaks to what I was saying is like, I don't think you could accuse the people who made this movie of not caring about the Hulk. Like they care about the Hulk, they love the Hulk, they're into the character. Uh, you know, they're definitely like they wanted to pay homage to the show. Uh, they were, you know, doing doing their homework. They were, you know, they were getting it. They were making it work. Um, they just weren't actually making it. Work, you know, like uh, is the is the issue. And obviously, the final scene of the movie is the is the, it, so. Do we count this as a post credit scene? Because I guess I had just always remembered this as a post-credit scene, but it is the final scene of the movie pre-credits when Tony Stark shows up to see to hang out with uh, General Ross, who's just getting bombed, He's just getting shit faced because he just like screwed everything up, and his daughter was probably like, "I never want to see you again, Dad." Uh, and then Tony Stark shows up and speaks some nonsense about a team he's forming that 
uh, does not align with the rest of the continuity of the MCU whatsoever, but we forgive it because they just wanted to hype things up. You gotta, you gotta respect the hustle. You admire the hustle. Um, but does this count as a post credit scene? Are we just going to grandfather it into the post credit scene tradition? I mean, my I think it does. And my maybe it's my memory is faulting me. But I thought I had remembered when it was in theaters, it was a post credit scene. And they maybe just bumped it up because this was an Amazon Prime rental because it's not on Disney Plus. Um, but I could have sworn it was post credits uh, when I saw it in theaters. But again, I could be wrong. That's it. I feel like we should still count it. Because that was the way in which it we'll is sort it. of intended. We'll count it. We'll count it. We'll count it. We'll count it. Um, yeah. Speaking of uh, seeing it in theaters versus seeing it now, my apologies to the folks out there who I'm sure had to had to rent, like had to purchase a rental of The Incredible Hulk, right? Because this is not on Disney Plus. If you've got a Disney Plus membership where you can stream all the MCU movies, the reason for that and the reason why we haven't gotten another uh, Hulk solo film, um, and I. Th- think that like the story behind this is still muddied to a degree that i don't know that anybody has it like fully straight um but the incredible hulk it was released by universal they have the rights to the character as far as like solo film appearances and title film appearances i believe um marvel studios we didn't really talk about this too much before but they were releasing through paramount uh before they were bought by disney um except for the incredible hulk which was coming out through universal but Marvel Studios was producing it. Um, so Universal still has those rights. So Disney does not have like the rights to stream the Incredible Hulk. That's so, so weird. It's like all of this stuff makes no sense to me. Like I just I cannot compute it properly. Uh, so that's a that's a bummer. Um, but it's a yeah, bummer I, that I, people I, had to pay for this. Yes, I agree. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. I apologize for making you pay for it. But anyway, that's the movie. We'll get into the rankings of everything in a little bit. We've got some feedback to go through. Any reports from uh, from the trenches with watching this with Robin that you did not get into, Kevin? Um, no, I think we hit most of them. Um, yeah, she 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 as well really liked the scene with, with Betty and Edward Norton. Um, we had lengthy discussions, her and I, about um, do we see this version of the Hulk? Like if it had continued, what we would we have ended up with? Would we have would we have had Thor Ragnarok? Um, which is a very, very good question. Um, so we had discussions about that, but overall, um, I think we hit, the, oh, no, sorry. Oh my God. I remembered my favorite, uh, Robin story to share here. Um, because we were looking at Betty and I was like, man, look at those bangs. Like, I feel like that was very indicative of that time period. And Robin was just like, is this like, uh, about 2009? And I looked it up and I was like, oh, 2008. She's like, yeah. And she was scrolling through her phone and she turns her phone to me and she's like, this is me circa 2009. And it's just the exact same haircut with the same bangs. And I was just like, that is perfection. So, uh, oh that's God. the one story to share. As always, her, her stuff is going to be hair and, uh, and, and font related. <laughs> hair and makeup. All right. Well, let's get into some feedback, uh, some community reviews on hulk uh, i'll read some excerpts for you kevin you may like this uh, this is from aaron dow who wrote in and said i was genuinely excited to rewatch the incredible hulk obviously i saw it in theaters and maybe rewatched it before the first avengers but i and i remembered hating it um but this time i was going it was going to be different right it's been more than a decade we now had hindsight of the whole mcu and i was coming into the movie with the lowest of expectations it's gonna be fun to see some easter eggs and see how edward norton handled the struggle between banner and the hulk and oh wait tim blake nelson and ty burrell are in this i don't remember them at all this is gonna be kind of fun 22 minutes in and i'm considering turning it off 
that is the review. <laughs> it goes on, but that's the punchline. Uh, from Jason Lee. Uh, congratulations on the wand-off win, Jason Lee. Uh, Jason Lee says, I actually never saw The Incredible Hulk on its initial theater release and only watched it for the first time during my pre-Endgame full series rewatch. And seeing it consistently come up in the bottom one or two slots in most MCU rankings... I was surprised at how kind of brainlessly enjoyable the movie was, but not enough to make it out of my own second to last slot. A lot of it doesn't really work. And of course, the whole thing is basically inconsequential. But ultimately, I didn't come away from this movie thinking I wasted two hours. And I suppose that's all you can ask for from a low tier MCU film. Kevin, I think that that's an interesting point. Is this something that we're going to be talking about along the way that like, if this is the worst MCU movie and this like the biggest sin that the Incredible Hulk commits is that like, it's mostly just forgettable and it's not cohesive with the rest of the MCU in like a, a really tangible way. And it's just maybe not a special movie and it's not a successful one. Financially, it's fine. But like, obviously, like they don't move forward with Edward Norton. Is that like a real uh, endorsement of the MCU overall that like this is the one that we're probably going to be bagging on the most? And then maybe next week a little bit with Iron Man 2. And then it's going to be like smooth sailing until Thor of the Dark World. Yes. I mean, I think this says a lot about what the MCU did. There's an extent where the the worst MCU movies are still better than a lot of other movies, for sure. I mean, you know, with my rankings, I, I try to keep the bracket just within the MCU. And, and the, the worst thing, if this is the worst thing, it's still as good or better than a lot of other uh, superhero films, which says a lot. Um, certainly again, better than Ghost Rider if you want to pick on the Marvel catalog, but there's, there's another universe. Um, yes, there is. Yeah. So I, it is interesting, right? If this is the, if the worst sin of this movie is that it's just boring, that's still like, no, all right. I mean, you know, it's not straight trash, which is probably again, why I think right now it's at the bottom of our list, but maybe might not be. Yeah, uh, Wes Macon had written in with a, a decently long review, but I just want to read his first sentence because it's great. Uh, Wes Macon writes in and says, that was, comma, not good. Uh, <laughs> that is, <laughs> that's the opening to that, which I greatly appreciated. Uh, Lawson Campbell had written in and said, I was surprised while watching that Edward Norton's portrayal of Bruce Banner was not that dissimilar to that of Mark Ruffalo's, or maybe that's just a huge compliment to how well Ruffalo slid into this role. Um, do you have any further thoughts on sort of like the continuity of the Bruce Banner character? At, like, cause it, it, it was this thing where like when they brought all the Avengers out, on the Comic-Con stage uh, in San Diego before um, uh, the Avengers was was announced officially. And they bring everybody out and they bring out Jeremy Renner and they bring out Chris Hemsworth and they bring out Chris Evans and they bring out Robert Downey Jr. and Samuel L. Jackson and Scarlett Johansson and Mark Ruffalo. He is. Wait, where's Edward <laughs> Norton? Like there was definitely like a thing. And now, like, it's like, Ed, Ed who? Uh, obviously, everyone knows who Ed Norton is, but, like, Mark Ruffalo is so universally loved as the Hulk. And if you don't love Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk, I guess that's a take you can have, uh, but you're wrong. Um, why, why did it end up working out so well when the deck is so set against that transition being smooth? Because it ends up being very smooth. Is it Ruffalo? Is it the weedening? Like, what is it? That makes it work. I mean, I think it's I think it's all of the above, really. I think Ruffalo did a really good job with the character. I don't necessarily agree that 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 they're the same. I think there are similarities that he was able to pick up on. He he pulled the best parts of the interpretation and brought it into this, but added more to it. I think Whedon definitely had a grasp on how they make that character work. 
Um, so I think there was a lot of things there that were, and it wasn't an individual Hulk movie. I think it was an ensemble piece. I think all those things are what worked in the Hulk's favor and making that transition work so well to go from, um, you know, uh, Ed Norton to Mark Ruffalo. Although, you know, now that we're here, Josh, I have to ask now, uh, Mary F. Kill, Hulk edition, Eric Bana, Ed Norton, Mark Ruffalo. Now, are we talking about them as uh, Bruce Banner or as actors? Because uh, I don't think that I would like to uh, engage with any of them in the F category, uh, <laughs> considering what might happen. That's that's a good, valid point. I was going to say characters, but they're all going to hulk out on you in bad ways. So <laughs> I, ma- I, marry th- I marry them all. I kill none of them. And we never have sex. <laughs> and it's like big love. And I'm Bill Paxton. Rest in peace. Um, all right. Uh, Liv Tyler. Let's talk Liv Tyler because we haven't really. Um, Brendan Fitzpatrick, not very high on, on Liv Tyler. Uh, wonders should they have just brought back Jennifer Connelly? There, there is like the implication and part of the reason why they yada yada through the origin is that like this movie could kind of serve as a sequel to Ang Lee's Hulk, yeah. which is all origin story, which I don't know if you went back and revisited before the podcast. No. I did not. not I don't have do it in me. I have maybe bad some, memories maybe, for that film. Maybe someday, uh, not anytime soon. Uh, uh, so Fitz asked, should, should they have just brought Jennifer Connelly back as, uh, as, as Betty Ross? Uh, they obviously eventually bring Jennifer Connelly into the MCU as she is, uh, she's a voice for somebody, isn't she? She's the isn't voice she? of Spider Man's, uh, yes, AI. Spider Man's yeah. AI because she is, uh, married to Paul Bethany. Paul Bethany. So there is there is a yeah. fun connection there of them both voicing AI characters. Yeah. I mean, I would have I I I I really like Jennifer Connelly. I'm a big fan of hers. Um. So yeah, if they had brought her back into this, I'd have been very ecstatic about it. Uh, Daniel Strunk, uh, the great Professor Strunk, uh, wonders if they should bring back Liv Tyler. We've talked about they should bring back the Tims. They've uh, brought back uh, General Ross. They have not brought back Betty Ross at all. Is that the better question? Should they just recast Betty Ross? Should it's, they bring her back? It's really tough because I, I, I really think if they're going to bring Betty and, you know, it's sort of like the Thor situation, like Natalie Portman, I think coming back because they're giving um, Jane Foster more to do in Love and Thunder. In fact, picking up a mantle, so to speak, um, I think is the right way to do it because like the Jane Fosters and the Betty Rosses are very much just just weird like your purpose is to be the love interest and you don't really have more beyond that and i think that's a that's a disservice to 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 a character to just have that so if they do bring the character back i think they need to have that character be more than just i am the love interest and anchor for the male hero uh so that's that's the way i i see that you bring that character back or curveball it's not his cousin in she hulk it's Betty. She gets a transfusion wow. and Betty Ross is the star of She-Hulk. I no. mean, that could be something, you know, that would make a lot of people mad probably. But yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I just feel like if you're going to bring back Betty, live Tyler or not, you just have to do something more with that character because the character deserves it. All right. Well, let's get into the Infinity Stone rankings, Kevin. Uh, <laughs> let's 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 do this. We've got we've got three orders of business to attend to here as we are going to start ranking the movies uh we're ranking the movies we're ranking the villains we've got multiple villains in this one uh and we are ranking uh the post-credit scenes as well uh i give a score on a scale of uh one to six i guess like some people are going as low as zero so i guess you could feasibly get no infinity stones it's a possibility 
Uh, so at a scale of zero to six is what we are going for here uh, for the movies, uh, as well as for the villains, as well as for the post credits. Uh, I give a score. Kevin gives a score. Audience, you guys write in. You give your score. Uh, send that to super at postshowrecaps.com. We will tabulate that. We will average the listener score. Uh, and then we will average my score, Kevin's score, the averaged listener score for our official Everything is Super score for all of these Infinity Stone rankings that we're doing. Really quickly, uh, Wes Macon had written in to note um, that uh, we are not uh, rating the main characters themselves. Wes says that's a good call. Uh, but Wes said, I do want to come in with a take. There are three legend tier superheroes, Superman, <laughs> Batman, and Spider-Man. Ooh. At one time, maybe the Fantastic Four is a group. Maybe that was an argument, as would have the X-Men at their height. Wolverine as an individual had a longer peak than the X-Men, but even that is fading. Three legends. That is it. Um, what do you think of that take, Kevin? Strong uh, disagree. Big, I, I agree. Spider-Man. Strong disagree. I think, I mean, I agree. Those are three legends. I think you cannot exclude Wonder Woman from that. I think Spider-Man is very well known. He's been because of media, but like Wonder Woman is known the world over, whether or not she, like before this movie, that's a character that had transcended the comics. She is a, a symbol and, 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 and just a, a powerhouse when it comes to merchandising. Um, so I think this, Discluding Wonder Woman is, is is not the right way, but I do agree. Superman, Batman, Spider Man throw Wonder Woman in there, and and I think we're full agreement. I also agree with the statement that Wolverine as an individual is extremely popular. Um, I think certainly in the comic book world, I don't think he was Spider Man or the rest of them level at all, and I don't think he's still necessarily there. But uh, you got to throw Wonder Woman in there. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> All right. Getting into the ratings, getting into the Infinity Stone rankings for the movies. Another quick bit of wisdom from the great Professor Strunk, uh, who has who has uh, done this exercise on his own many times. He's he's only done. I've only done this once is the great time traveler quote. Uh, Daniel Strunk says one can rate an MCU movie solely based on the content of the movie and nothing else. Another way to rate an MCU movie is to base it on the movie itself and its place in the larger MCU. For example, the movie Iron Man itself might not move people in a top 10 fashion, but looking at what it does for the MCU as a whole, it has to be a top 10. Does that make sense? Ratings are complicated, uh, says Professor Strunk. And I wanted to read that here because I think it'll explain my rating for The Incredible Hulk, which I think is a mediocre movie and and a bad Marvel Cinematic Universe movie because it may as well not exist anymore. Uh, it really has very little bearing on the future of stuff. So I think if I was just rating it as a movie on a scale of, I guess, zero to six, it would be much closer to the middle um, because of its placement in the MCU, because there were multiple points where I was like, I'm falling asleep. <laughs> I'm starting to lose consciousness. <laughs> um, I'm giving it a 1.5. Uh, pretty low. Uh, pretty low. I, I don't expect I'm going to go lower than this. I, I don't know how bad Thor The Dark World is. I haven't seen it in a long time. I'm not going to go this low for Iron Man 2. I cannot imagine. Um, and I have The Incredible Hulk higher than Iron Man 2 in my own personal rankings. I had evaluated this. like I remembered enjoying it, watching it the first time. And I just have not gone back and watched it in a long time. And it's just, it's just a very boring movie and it doesn't have any real resonance anymore. Um, so yeah, I'm sorry, Ed Norton. 1.5 is my score. Um, I'm not that far off from you. Um, honestly, I probably would have given it a 1.5 as well, but I ended up bumping it to a 2 because of my 
connection to the original series. I thought, again, the references still hit me in a very, very fun way, and I, I enjoyed that. So I got a point five because of the references. But I'm going to give it a 2. But that's also rough because like, I'm still imagining in my head Thor The Dark World being worse. But I definitely think where this was ranked th- at, at third, third from the bottom, I think you're right, though. I think it's going to bump down lower, and I think Iron Man 2 might be bumping up. I mean, we'll find out next week for sure, but... Yeah, who knew? <laughs> it's just in a league of its own. It's just its own class. Uh, in like the same way, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to say what I was going to say. I was going to take a shot at the edge of extinction again, and I don't need to do that. Uh, <laughs> I don't have to do that on every everything that I am involved in. Just let it go. It's an outlier is what I'm trying to say. Yes. It's an outlier. It's an outlier. Uh, the audience uh, is higher than you and I. Uh, 2.4 wow. uh, from the audience. Audience going uh, strong on this. But then again, they well, gave well, Iron Man no. a five. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, a, a, a couple of people uh, went as high as fours wow. uh, for, for Incredible Hulk. Uh, but a lot more in like the, the one, two-ish range. Uh, a couple in the threes. Uh, some as low as a point three, zero point three infinity stones. I, I don't know how you. I don't know how you shaved the tesseract yeah. that, uh, with with a microplane. Uh, I, I commend the people also doing like hardcore decimals. I I, I just can't. <laughs> I'm only doing in uh, points of five. Uh, I, I understand that that that, we'll that hinders we'll me. We'll see where but... it goes. Yeah. <laughs> well. Well, let's find out when we when, if we have to like make a really tough call with Thor: The Dark World. It's, let's make it a you know point one difference. Yeah. Um. Uh. So you gave it a one point five. Uh, you gave it a two. I gave it a one point five. Audience gives it a two point four. That rounds us out to a one point nine eight Infinity Stones. Not quite two. Not quite two Infinity Stones. Seems uh, right. So <laughs> the official movie rankings as it stands: Iron Man with a four point five nine, a very big gap, uh, and then the Incredible Hulk, and that is it currently. Uh, for the villains, uh, and if a movie has multiple, uh, we will accept your rankings for them. And I would say that uh, Thunderbolt Ross counts as a Hulk villain in this movie. Uh, so Thunderbolt Ross is going to be eligible here for points, as is my boy Emil Blonsky. Let's just start with him. Uh, I I gave him a two, which is wow. high. <laughs> it is high. Uh, and it's literally just because like Tim Roth was one of the very few things keeping me awake on Saturday night as I was watching this movie. Uh, and I, I, I think like the, the scenes of him running, like that's really fun. It's still low. I still think two is probably too high. I'm just feeling charitable towards Emil Blonsky. <laughs> You're like, today, I gotta I give guess. this movie something. <laughs> I want, I want to give him that too. I need to give him that too. <laughs> um, I went with a one. I mean, I liked Tim Roth as well. There again, I like the cap influence, but I think as, a villain and as a character it just didn't land i think you know if they had delved more into it like i was kind of saying it could have been higher it had potential but in this case i gotta go with the one i gotta go with a one yeah um the the audience average on this one is a 1.9 uh for emil blonsky so close to mine i guess uh and that average is uh, all out as 1.64 he is anchoring the bottom uh as uh general ross is going to be ever so slightly above, even though I gave General Ross a one in this one. Uh, it just he's just a kind of like bad mustache twirly bad guy. Exactly for me here. same. I gave a one as well because he just there's nothing I feel personally original about that character either. I just feel like it's kind of cliche to be like I'm the evil military man and I hate the bad guy or the good guy. And he's just kind of like his cool. only good scene is at the end in the post credit scene when he's wasted. Yes, which is with, kind of fun with his hair all like flopped all over the place. Which I was like, is that a wig or is that just what is happening there? <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, and it, it, uh, the audience much higher uh, than you and I on General Ross, the only comparatively a 2.7 from the audience, which gives them a 1.56. Obadiah Stain still in the front. So it's uh, Obi Stain, General Ross, Emil Blonsky. Those are the one, two, three on our villain rankings as it stands. Um, then post credits. This is obviously not going to be as good as the perfect sixes that we gave. Uh, I'll give it a two. Yeah, I'll give this a two. Gonna give it a two. I agree. I also gave it a two, which is saying a lot about this movie when you and I are in such alignment and agreement. <laughs> that you know, it's, it's I'm where gonna, it is. I'm gonna, listen, it's he's uh, it's RDJ. It's hard to be mad at that, and it's exciting. It's exciting, but like it's just been five weeks since you'd seen him at that point. So like, how exciting? I guess just like further reinforcing the interconnectivity of these movies. That's fun, um, but like uh, in terms of the continuity, doesn't make a ton of sense. Uh, and also, it's technically not a post-credit scene. So yeah, there's a uh, lot going wrong know, for it. I mean, I think it's I think it's lucky to get a two from us. Yeah, I mean, at the time, it's getting a two for one for RDJ and two because, like, I want to say at the time, like, it was a little mind blowing to be like, oh my god, they're doing it. This is a character from this other movie, and he is here. And so that was like a kind of big deal. So uh, you know, it gets a two for that. But uh, in the terms of the rest of them, meh. Yeah. Um, all right. And so, uh, it's, uh, the audience gave it a 2.9. Uh, so a little higher than you and I, uh, that balances out, uh, as all things must in this universe to a 2.3, uh, is the incredible Hulk post credit scene to uh, Iron Man. We've gotten a lot more feedback on the post credit rankings because we announced that we were doing that last week. Uh, a lot of people wrote in with their post credits rankings for Iron Man. Uh, and that averages that audience average. You and I gave it each a six. The audience average with, a lot of data in is a 5.9. Yeah. It's like all, it's almost a perfect score. I mean, it, it uh, deserves so I, it. It's a great VC. Yeah, it, it's a, it, it gets a, the cumulative score on everything is super a 5.95. So I think that is going to be very difficult to dethrone. I think that might be King of the ring, uh, very early to have that as King of the ring, but it's going to be very tough to top that. Can't imagine what's going to be able to do it. There's only one. Maybe. Maybe shawarma. Yeah, that's <laughs> the probably shawarma it. <laughs> ab- the shawarma after. Um, all right. Uh, shawarma is still in the future. Not on the menu next week, but the man who requested the shawarma uh, will be back in action. We're going to be talking about Iron Man once again. We're talking Iron Man 2 next week on Everything is Super, returning to the Tony Stark universe. Uh, and this is a movie that is not uh, greatly loved. But Kevin, I, I rewatched Iron Man 2 in my uh, Endgame prep, and I had a good time is my memory of doing it. Like I just enjoyed spending time with the character and I think I was relishing it because I knew, uh, not new, but like felt like Iron Man's probably going to die. Uh, so like I should enjoy all the Iron Man I can get now that we know that he definitely dies. Uh, will we just like enjoy spending time with Tony Stark more? I think probably, uh, I cannot imagine it's going to score as poorly as uh, incredible Hulk, but we could be in for a surprise next week who knows yeah my memory you know i remember liking iron man 2 i i remember vaguely liking this one too but um i feel like iron man 2 is gonna end up higher than 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 originally thought of especially in retrospect compared to the rest of the mcu but even still there's things to like i think performances are gonna come 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 to shine i mean this movie has sam rockwell in it so that's already like a good sign for it um, yes, it does. Yes, it does. But yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to to rejourney to to Tony Stark, especially knowing he's super dead now. So, <laughs> all right, get those uh, get those Infinity Stone rankings in for us on not just Iron Man two, the movie, but also the villains of Iron Man two. We're talking Whiplash, which is the Mickey Rourke character, of course, and we're talking Justin Hammer, the Sam Rockwell character. We want your rankings for both of those characters 
And we will also watch your post credit scene rankings. And we are going to be recording that episode of the podcast on April 20th. Uh, it's gonna, it's gonna drop, uh, shortly thereafter. Uh, so, uh, make sure you get that stuff in super at postshowrecaps.com by April 20th would be, uh, highly, highly useful. Um, Kevin. Uh, you're you're on the Twitters. You're at Kev Mahadeo. What are you doing? What's going on with you? Um, well, I mentioned that I'm you know working on on a site. I, I kind of I'm trying to work on some personal projects in these off times. It's hard to do so, but I'm trying to get a little bit more to chase that dream, like uh, Simi Liu. So um, we'll we'll see in the future. But for right now, just follow me at Kev Mahadeo to see if anything is coming and hear my very very uh, passionate takes on things as I tweet and retweet a lot of stuff. The only dream I'm chasing these days is living that Final Fantasy VII remake life, uh, which we're doing some podcasting about here on Post Show Recaps. We have some Final Fantasy VII podcasting right now. Kevin, I know you're playing the game. No spoilers. Don't talk about it in any kind of heavy detail. Uh, thumbs up or thumbs down so far? I mean, thumbs up on the game itself. Thumbs down because I have yet to hear that. <laughs> so I'm a little upset that I beat bad guys and I don't hear Barrett that. Barrett sings it. Have you not been paying attention? Sometimes when he when he kills somebody, no. he just like belts it out. Yeah. <laughs> now I gotta yeah, listen like, for that. That's great. He busts it out. It's very good. Very, very clever. <laughs> uh, so we've been having fun with that. So uh, keep an ear out for another Final Fantasy podcast coming your way very soon. Uh, the Lost podcast continues. We're up to Fire Plus Water, uh, which is by my uh estimation the worst episode of lost uh so we're gonna be talking about that this week that's fun we'll have a great time mike bloom and myself uh the better call saul podcast is happening antonio mazzaro and i are getting very close to the end of the line on better call saul this season jessica lease and i are talking about killing eve we started that coverage very recently had a blast talking about the premiere so that's gonna be really fun it's the start of an eight-week journey so uh plenty of time to catch up on the killing eve westworld Still a thing. Uh, Joe Garfine and I talking about Westworld this week. Uh, coming up soon. We have yet to record that podcast. Delayed due to to my schedule, not Joe's. Uh, so send your, your angry emails uh, or tweets at Rand Howard. Totally my fault on that one. But given the episode, what are we really missing? I kid. Uh, shading, shading Westworld, which I normally really like. Did not love this week. Uh, so all of that's happening on Post Show Recaps. Subscribe to Post Show Recaps wherever you get your apps. Uh, wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you get your apps, uh, send me your mozzarella sticks. Those are the apps that I want. Uh, tweet at us at Post Show Recaps. Uh, Kevin, should people send you mozzarella sticks? Please. I love mozzarella sticks. I haven't had a good mozzarella stick in a while. We're ordering pizza tonight, I think. So pretty excited about that. May I throw in some mozzarella sticks? Okay, well, normally we would probably say like that's the hashtag of the episode in like a post credit scene, but I don't think we should do a post credit scene this time since Incredible Hulk didn't really do one. So is this like technically our post credit scene? I guess this hashtag is it, right? The, the very last ending here. <laughs> yeah, hashtag mozzarella sticks. Let us know, and then we'll, like we're we're just gonna like blend in seamlessly with mozzarella sticks Twitter. Excellent. Uh, that's the crossover be- I want. I want those fans of mozzarella sticks to come over to this podcast. <laughs> how I wonder uh, how many people uh, are actually uh, deep in in uh, mozzarella sticks Twitter, or if it's actually like a pretty uh, quiet group. I hope I hope it's a I hope it's a passionate group. I mean, that's how I, I feel when I eat mozzarella sticks. <laughs> a lot of passion. The best Lots mozzarella sticks I ever had, I have to say, was from this place called. Uh, uh, guild hall they only did it like twice like for two nights it was an experiment but i robin and i adore him and we chased that dream where it's like mozzarella sticks wrapped in like uh the the egg roll paper like wonton paper oh wow and like yeah. fried and it was 
huh, it was unbelievable. And then they did it twice and then they didn't do it ever again. And we've just been very depressed about that since. <laughs> you got to chase those mozzarella sticks dreams. So. Yeah, you got to. You got to live towards you know something. <laughs> you got you to gotta live towards something. Get that frozen food. You can heat it up. Uh, eat it. And watch <laughs> Iron Man 2. Let us know if you uh, if you eat mozzarella sticks while watching Iron Man 2. Let us know how that goes. I wonder how it pairs. Mozzarella <laughs> sticks and Iron Man 2. So give us that hashtag uh, mozzarella sticks. And now that we've uh, fully alienated our listenership uh, and everybody has uh, fully abandoned us at this point, Kevin, I think it's time to play the Lonely Man theme song to get us out of here. Take care, everybody. Goodbye. Bye.